going to network for an introvert is like going to Disneyland. Sure, they'll enjoy the rides and they'll have a great time, but when they come home, they're going to crash. An extrovert will go, oh, let's have an after party. An introvert's going, no, no, I think it's time that I went home. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we are going to be talking about the introverted salesperson. Isn't that an oxymoron? Well, the answer is actually no, not at all. You see, sales is a skill just like any other, which anyone can learn and master, including the introvert. I am an actual introvert, by the way, for those of you who don't know. And an introvert, I would say, is more comfortable alone than in the sales field. So here's the thing. Matthew Pollard literally wrote the book called The Introvert's Edge. How the quiet and shy can outsell anyone. And in this particular episode of the Map Brown Show, we dive into everything from what causes introversion to what the edge of an introvert really is, and probably most importantly, the role of systems in creating sustainable, replicable results in the area of sales. Matt is a serial entrepreneur. He hails from Australia, but he's living in the US. And really, we cover a lot of ground here. So strap yourselves in for a cliffhanger. Oh, and please take note, guys, of the part of the show where Matt gives away a chapter of his latest book coming out in January for free, all about the power of networking. So check it out. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Today, we are joined all the way from the US, but he's not American, apparently. (laughs) Uh, His name is Matthew Pollard. Welcome to the show. Mate, I'm ecstatic to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, likewise, likewise, likewise. It's been a, an, a long time coming, this one, introvert to introvert. <laughs> so uh, today we're going to actually talk about this amazing book that's done incredibly well um, all around the world. How many languages has this been translated into out of interest? At the moment, we've had it translated into eight languages, but it looks like it might be closer to 15 by June next year, which is exciting. Okay, amazing, because that's kind of like the new benchmark for success, right, is how many languages has your book been translated into? So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think so. You know, what's interesting is, I mean, my book hit number eight most sold book on the Amazon platform for an entire week, but with so many people rigging the system and things like that, trying to get bestsellers on Amazon, the interesting thing is that it doesn't really hold the credibility anymore. So you have to show real metrics of success to get a translation deal. And, you know, we were actually, we just got a, you know, a five-figure translation deal just for the, the country of Italy, which was nice. So to get those kind of levels of translation deals, you have to really have, you know, a very successful book that gets a lot of followership across the world, which we've, we've been able to see, which, which is great. I mean, there's a lot of need for introverted books. So, you know, mm. I'm just happy to be able to provide something that helps so many people in so, language, so many languages. Yes, yes, yes. So my audience will um, very much know that I've, you know, I've said that I'm an introvert um, for for pretty much forever. <laughs> uh, although, although, in some for some people, they would say that that's they would never have guessed that, you know. And I'd love to get into like, can introverts create a perception that they're not, um, and how does one transform their kind of ability to manifest and execute in the world and a world stage? Like you do a lot of lots of speaking as well. Um, which we can get into. But um, why don't you give us the elevator pitch? Who's Matthew Pollard? Why did you write this book? Obviously, you're an introvert. Uh, Why does this matter now? 
Yeah, sure. I think, well, let's first handle the, the, the projection issue because I think that that happens a lot. You know, we see somebody that's successful and we naturally assume, oh, well, then they have to be extroverted, right? So, you know, they go out and we're constantly seeing these amazing speakers, these amazing salespeople, and we're like, oh, I can't do that. I'm introverted. We've got that gift of gap barrier or that wall we've created ourselves. And the truth is that introverts make amazing salespeople. They make amazing networkers, amazing speakers, And, you know, the truth is that there are so many introverted titans out there. The problem is we just don't know them to be introverted. So we assume that for us, success is impossible. And the truth is that, you know, as soon as the introverts embrace that success is possible for them, but their path to success is just different to that of an extrovert. And, as you know, as soon as they realize that they can systemize their weaknesses in a way that allows them to leverage their strengths, well, then they become amazing at all of those so-called extroverted arenas. You know, and, you know, it's not just me who's stumbled into introverted success. You know, Zig Ziglar, one of the, the best sales trainers, best sales speakers in the world, I mean, he's introverted. Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI, which is the world's biggest networking group, you know, he's introverted. You know, I interviewed him and, you know, Tom Ziglar, Zig Ziglar's son, on my podcast, and they talk about how, you know, they handled their introversion throughout this. So the reason why the introvert's edge, I think, is so, so successful is firstly, it covers real stories of real people. So there's people with chronic stutters in there that, you know, really struggle to communicate their value and how they, you know, grew from making almost no money with their wife and, you know, dad working in the business as well to, you know, making nearly seven figures within less than a year. So there's all these stories of real people And I think for introverts, especially, we don't want to, I mean, learning how to sell is is somewhat confrontational for us, right? Mm -hmm. So what I designed the book to do was be this really comfortable, almost feeling like you're reading a novel. You laugh and enjoy these people's stories. You just happen to learn the process of selling through it. But the credibility is key, I think. You know, introverts, I mean, my whole brand's built on authenticity, but I think introverts are tired of seeing, you know, extroverts say, hey, that's it's easy, just, you know, follow me and we'll do it. Mm. So, you know, the, you know, Jeb Blunt, actually another introvert and another amazing sales trainer wrote the forward for my next book, The Introvert's Edge to Networking, which comes out in January. And, you know, he wrote that, you know, while a lot of us are introverted, Matt was the first to really own it. And, you know, I have to say, you know, I thought I was going to get slammed for saying introverts make better salespeople than extroverts. And it was the opposite. We got this overwhelming support. So I think if you're looking for, you know, the, the, the quick elevator pitch around why the first book was so successful and why the second book, I hope, will, will follow suit, it's really because everyone else is, you know, for the longest time was saying, here's how you survive as an introvert. And my book's like, no, 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 forget about survival. Here is how you dominate as an introvert. And by the way, all the best in the business tend to be introverted as well. So stop lying to yourself. Stop believing that you can't succeed. Just realize that you need to follow a system because without a system, you will suck at selling, you'll suck at networking, and even speaking will be very difficult. But when you've got a system, you hold on to it for dear life. And Mm. a system outperforms somebody flying by the seat of their pants every day of the week. It just takes consistency and a dedication in the short term to perfect the process. Yeah, so much I want to echo there. Um, You know, we actually, as a company, we do lead generation. So selling is literally core to everything that we do. And um, I would say that I'm a better than average salesman, I would guess. Um, Certainly, I haven't met many people, 
you know, I suppose the one thing to say is that founders will always sell better than anybody else at the company. So maybe that's probably why. Uh, but, um, but I love the point you made around the system. So there's a great um, quote in Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he says, uh, you never rise to the level of your goals. You always fall to the level of your systems. Um, and when I first read that, which was not too long ago, I was like, that is so true. And because, you know, if you want to scale something, your efforts as an introvert selling or whatever you're trying to do, if you just want to scale your business or sell more stuff or whatever the case is, you have to have systems, right? And I think it's such an overlooked point. It's like, well, we all want as to be better than we were as human beings today than we were yesterday. We all want to be successful we all want these things in life but we don't sometimes recognize how to get there what's your experience there around you know why do we overlook some of the things that are sometimes so obvious because it's like once you've once you've scaled a business it's not obvious to you but everybody else who hasn't scaled it is like oh, i don't know what i'm doing yet <laughs> no it's, it's interesting I, th- I think that well firstly if we're talking about just sales in isolation I think the biggest hurdle that we had is we believe that everything, I think business owners across the globe, successful, unsuccessful, a lot of them believe that, you know, success in sales for an introvert is lots of hustle and grit because we're not great at it. And extroverts will just go out and do it. So a lot of introverts believe they just need to hire extroverted salespeople, which is a nightmare if you haven't perfected a process because they own your business, you don't. So I think the the biggest thing when you look at, systemization is from a sales perspective is most people realize that there needs to be a you know you need to have a standard operating procedure for everything you do in your business you need to have systems for everything you do but in sales they believe that that is the only thing that's a subset that you just can't systemize that Mm. so embracing the fact that there is a system the problem is that most people just don't know how to do that and most introverts especially believe it's not possible that is what gets in people's way now When I say, you know, systemization, a lot of people go, oh, so I can behave more extroverted. No, the key to introverted sales is not learning how to become more extroverted. It's learning how to become the best version of yourself and embrace your natural skills, which will actually give you an advantage. Mm -hmm. I think even when most people start businesses, it's, you know, I think you've uh, most business owners have that to be successful at all, they need to have that hustle and grit about themselves to make something out of nothing, right? So that whole, let's just make it happen mentality, that doesn't naturally flow into a systems mentality. You know, you've, you've got that, let's just make it happen. You're focusing on the day to day and you need that to survive. The first per- people that you hire, they're not focused on the long term. They're focused on getting in and fighting those fires with you to make sure there's enough money to pay payroll next week, next month. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of the times the people, you know, I mean, Marshall Goldsmith, who endorsed both of my books, actually, you know, he wrote a book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And it's it, absolutely true. I mean, what you need to succeed at the beginning is a willingness to hustle, do the work and have that, let's get a deal today, let's get a deal today. But for you to get to that next step, gosh, you've got to stop for a minute and go, well, half the jobs we're doing actually don't need to be done anymore because we're out of survival mode. Secondly, everything that's happening is getting done the manual way. And a lot of our time is spent fixing fires that could have been systemized so the fires never existed. And everyone knows a customer complaining takes 10 times as long to fix than just doing it right in the first place and generally results in discounting, which cuts into your profit margin. Mm. So what needs to happen is businesses need to realize that there's a graduation point. 
from hustle mentality, survival mentality to, okay, it looks like we've got a ship that's actually not sinking anymore, but, you know, it's, it's a dinghy. How do we turn it into an ocean liner? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, just to, to double down on the introversion thing, what causes it? Because I think if you say, oh, that guy there or that girl there, you know, he or she is an introvert, people immediately have an, uh, for me, I still have a negative connotation to that. It's like, well, to your point that you made, it's like, well, Will Smith's not an introvert, is he? And he's super successful. And so the the um, the kind of dogma or the paradigm is that, well, if you're successful, you have to be everything, anything other than an introvert because an introvert is a nerd. They don't speak up in rooms. They don't like public speaking. They don't like being the center of attention, whatever the case is. Um, and so as you brilliantly pointed out is that there are so many uber successful introverts, right? Hence the books like The Introvert's Edge, not The Extrovert's Edge, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so I wanted to kind of ask you some fundamentals here. What causes introversion? Well, I mean, firstly, you were talking about some of the successful introverts. I mean, Bill Murray, that guy that you can't get to follow a script in movies, he's an introvert, right? So you look at Tom Hanks, he's an introvert. You look at Leonardo DiCaprio, another introvert, right? So all of these uber successful people, they're all introverted. I mean, the founder of Billion Dollar Brand, Ugg Boots, Ryan Dice, the guy that runs Trafficking Diversion Summit, one of the biggest summits in the world for digital marketers, all of them are introverts. Mm -hmm. So when you look at what causes people to have this introverted stigma of, you know, why most introverts can't be successful or, you know, and we have that nerd-like mentality, well, let's face it, introverts are kind of nerdy. We geek out on ideas and concepts. That's actually our advantage. But that doesn't mean we're the, per, the guy or girl that wants to hide in the dark corner and not communicate, right? That the, the thing is that most people project introversion on anyone that's unsuccessful and project on anyone that is successful. So that, that natural stigma is something that's in our heads, but it's, it's a falsity. It's not true. So we need to take a step back and we need to say, okay, first thing is I think a lot of introverts are the worst at it. I mean, I know I do it. I see these amazing people speak from stage and go, oh, gosh, I wish I was like them. I mean, I'm listed as one of the top 50 speakers in the world, and I still look at someone better than me and say, oh, that person's, I think, better, more skilled than me. They must be extroverted. So it's not that it's, it's something that we continually get stuck into. Mm. Now, what I will say is that if you look at nature or nurture, right, there's a lot of science to go back to, you know, whether it is a nature situation, whether it's a nurture situation. But one of the things that drives me nuts is people that say, oh, I used to be introverted, but now almost like a badge of pride, I'm now more extroverted. It's not true. I mean, one of the things that, you know, I'll give you an example. So I run an event called Small Business Festival. It's listed by Inc. as one of the, it's the number three conference in America for small business. And when I founded it, I asked a, a close personal friend of mine, Jim Cathcart. He's one of the most award-winning speakers in the world. He's been the national, uh, the president of the National Speakers Association twice. He's won all these ridiculous speaking words, awards, and he is an extrovert. Now, he and I, worked three days at that conference, right? He and I were on stage, off stage, speaking to people. Here's the difference. At the end of three days, he was so jazzed from being involved in the event. He wanted to go and experience the live music capital of the world and go out and party. He was like a kid that had just been released from school and he wanted to go play with his friends. Me, on the other hand, I was exhausted. I wanted to put on a hoodie, go to a dark room and talk to no one. 
The diff the problem was he came because of me, so I was his, you know, I was the person that was supposed to tour him around. So at midnight on the that night, I had to ask a guy in his 70s for permission to go home and get some rest because I was wiped. The only difference between an introvert and an extrovert, as far as I'm concerned, is where you draw your energy. Jim drew his energy from being at the three-day conference. I draw my energy from being by myself or with just me and my wife or me and one of my friends. You put a group of friends, no, it's, it's detracting from my energy. That is the only difference. Now, for an introvert that says, oh, I've become more extroverted, what generally is the case is they've learned systems and processes to succeed in so-called extroverted arenas, which means, A, it doesn't draw as much energy anymore because it's less. there's less anxiety, less stress, and they're actually starting to enjoy themselves more. And B, they don't find it so overwhelming when they're there. Now, it doesn't mean it doesn't draw their energy, though. Going to network for an introvert is like going to Disneyland. Sure, they'll enjoy the rides and they'll have a great time, but when they come home, they're going to crash. An extrovert will go, oh, let's have an after party. An introvert's going, no, no, I think it's time that I went home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spark sparking very old memories from when I was uh, <laughs> still basically putting my hair down, you know, if you know what I'm saying. It was like the introverts, I don't know, like the introverts, um, I suppose in that context, I suppose it's all context dependent. But I love what you're saying around the fact that, you know, the role of systems between you know, introversion and extroversion is it's the bridge almost, you know, uh, to success. Um, so going back to um, what causes it, is it nature or nurture in your experience? I think there are studies for both. So, I mean, if, I mean, Quiet is probably one of the most well-known books in the introverted space uh, written by Susan Cain. And she talks about there, there is science that really backs both of them. Um, around the how you end up the way you are. I'm more of a, a nurture than a nature person. I believe that it's the stimulus as you're growing up that frames your mind and the way that you control external st stimulus. Now, when the people that talk about, you know, oh, it's nature is that a lot of people talk about as an introvert, we're just more susceptible to external stimuli. What that means is that when we hear a loud noise, we hear it louder than the extrovert, right? We have a lot, we're a lot more sensitive to external stimulation. So I think there are, you know, elements to both. I mean, for me, I, I know that I am a lot more sensitive. My wife, on the other hand, is much more introverted than I am. And she is much more sensitive. Like even sometimes she'll be like, Matt, Matt, you're talking too loud because I've just come down and I'm excited about something or whatever. You know, she's much more sensitive to external stimuli than I am. But there are different gradients. You've got people that are shy. You've got highly sensitive individuals and you've got introverts. And those three don't always fit into the same capsule. Some people are shy. Some people are highly you know, shy, but not introverted. They could be extroverted, right? They could be, you could be introverted and highly sensitive, or you could just be introverted. You know, I did a test, you know, the other day, how introverted are you? And I, you know, I rated, you know, 87. But the, the thing is that the questions that they ask some of them, you know, you've got to be really careful about which ones are evaluating you based on highly sensitive or shy versus introversion. So for me, I think that, you know, the highly sensitive individuals are the ones that, you know, generally have, you know, a bigger susceptibility to external stimuli. The reason why I, I would say it's more nurture from my point of view is because I think that the way I grew up 
especially, you know, while I had a strong family unit, you know, I had bad acne growing up. I had, you know, you know, I had, I was, I was the slow kid at school. You know, I had a reading speed of a sixth grader. I, you know, I got diagnosed with a thing called Erlen syndrome when I was 16, which basically means that I could, you know, start the process of learning to read. I couldn't read like everyone else, but I put on this, you know, pair of funny colored lenses and I can miraculously learn to read. So I was the guy, I was the kid with, you know, late high school braces, funny lenses that was the slow kid, right? And that, you know, definitely affected the way I saw myself. But I had acne from a young age. You know, I, you know, was always kind of a little bit more of a thought out individual. And because of that, I wouldn't say I was shy, but I would say that, you know, I was very, very considered in my actions, which generally people that consider their actions, you know, when they're young tend to not become the popular kids, right? Because the popular kids are just fly by the seat of their pants and they they have a lot of fun. So there were a lot of things in my nurture that led to me, I believe, being more introverted. But I mean, when you look at uh, the, the nature perspective, you know, my mother and my father are both very, very, um, very, very reserved. And they both are, you know, intellectual thinkers. So, you know, I would say, you know, because of that, I would say there's, there's a bit of both. But I believe that, you know, your younger life really has one of the biggest impacts to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's get into the meat and the potatoes here. So what is the introvert's edge in, in the context of selling? So I love selling stuff. I think it's it's amazing. I think uh, introverts, um, I was reading something recently. I think it was a, a book called Limitless. Have you read that book? I haven't, uh, no. Hang on, let me get it up here. Limitless. Uh, upgrade your brain. Any learn anything faster and unlock your exceptional life by Jim Quick. It's a very cool book. Um, I haven't finished it, of course, but uh, it's it's very very interesting. And so in the book, he he reveals um, the it speaks about introverts, and he says introverts are often relegated in a boardroom. As an example, to the the Me Too brigade, they don't really have something valuable to say, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And, and it's because they're not saying anything because they're connecting the dots. They're connecting the dots of what everybody else is saying. And in their mind, they've, they're creating the strategy or they're envisioning what the plan should be. And so they'll usually speak last as opposed to lead the conversation. And so he says uh, extroverts are actually far more suited to being visionary founders as opposed to, you know, the founder or the CEO that you bring in when you're kind of scaling up. Um, do you agree with those kind of sentiments? What have you learned about the edge of the introvert in the context of, you know, business? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers.
I mean, I, I would absolutely disagree. I think that there are some amazing introverted founders that are visionary. I would classify myself as a visionary founder. You know, I, I, I can get into the meat and potato, potatoes and get the procedures right. It's just not something that I want to spend my time doing. I tend to be the person leading the meeting rather than being the reserved person that thinks in the background. I will tr step back sometimes and evaluate the situation. But, you know, when I was doing, you know, my studying for my MBA, it was all, you know, I, I, I was a fast action culture person. So the thing is that, and I will tell you, so Jason Cohen is a, is a friend of mine. He's, he founded WP Engine, which is one of the, the biggest hosting platforms in the world. And, you know, he was an introvert. Well, he is an introvert. He founded WP Engine and now he's the CTO of his own company. So, but what he would do is he would say, you know, I don't, you know, I don't enjoy big meetings with lots of people. It's really hard for me. So don't be upset if I don't make eye contact. Um, and don't, um, you know, I, I won't say a lot, but when I do say something, please listen. And he would end up with people protecting him. He's like, it's the biggest advantage I ever had. Because as soon as I would say something, one of the extroverts would be like, Shh, Jason's speaking. Right. So it allowed him to have complete control of a room because everybody else was waiting for him to speak. He said, you know, now he's got a CEO because he doesn't want to do all of that stuff. He just wants to be the, the CTO working on making the systems better and more effective and good for him. But for someone like me, I love being that person that inspires people to be better at who they are and to achieve their dreams and go after what they want. And even when I was running my own businesses, I was always the person that inspired my team members on where we were going. Now, here's the difference. I didn't do that off the cuff. If I knew I was going to run a meeting tomorrow, I'd be thinking through what that narrative was. I'd be talking, you know, I might pick up the call and say, hey, Matt, I'm, you know, I'm running a meeting tomorrow and I just wanted to pick your brain about a couple of things. And I'd, I'd test out the kind of narrative I was going to share. I'd practice the story I wanted to share to, do, to inspire you to make sure that I would nail it when I was in the room. So the difference is that, again, it comes down to systems, right? So if you're saying a completely unprepared introvert, if I was completely unprepared, I would not be the person that's driving people forward as the visionary. Mm. I would be a little bit more reserved. But if I knew what was going to happen in that meeting, and if you're the leader, you can know because you're running the meeting, you can make sure that it goes in the right way. Now, if something happens in the meeting that I wasn't expecting, there are strategies that you can learn to get a dialogue happening between everybody that's in the meeting while you work out the exact strategy and the exact way to handle that situation, and then you can re-engage. So a powerful introvert has a system for running meetings. But as I would suggest that there are and have met hundreds, I would suggest there are millions of visionary introverts out there. And again, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is the, the world keeps putting us introverts in boxes. And sure, there are introverts. I mean, when, when you read Quiet, the book literally does. I mean, Susan Cain was a negotiator. And yet everyone got from that, that if you want to be a coder or a writer, somebody in Quiet, be empowered that the world wouldn't exist without you. You really can be that kind of person. But it didn't say you can't sell, you can't speak, you can't be a visionary leader. I know, you know, literally so many visionary leaders that are literally rocking the world. And yet, according to so many people, it's just not possible for us to do that. We should be the, the, the person that comes in to, to run the ship later. Well, I can tell you, there are so many 
people that are introverted that come to be the CEO later and they get they don't want to be there. They're bored because they want to be the person that's trying new things that are testing new horizons. And when you bring in a CEO to take you from the millions to the tens of millions or the hundreds of millions, a lot of times what you need is somebody that can create the procedures to bed in the team to inspire. And there are some amazing introverts at that. There are some amazing extroverts as well. My, my major focus is that success in any arena doesn't matter whether you're introverted or extroverted. However, here's the problem. An introvert, because we believe it's not possible, we don't believe those things are possible for us. We don't look for systems to learn and we let somebody that says we can't succeed tell us we can't succeed and we believe it internally. An extrovert believes everything's possible for them. You know, even, you know, let's face it, extroverts perhaps aren't the best listeners in the world, but they will go out and get coaching and training to become better listeners. They'll learn how to actively listen. You know, HR departments will send them to active listening classes and coaching. But as an introvert, a lot of times HR will just go, oh, yeah, well, they're introverted, so of course they're not going to be great salespeople. We'll accept subpar performance. Mm. We can't promote that person because they're not going to be the visionary leader we need for that new department to take that business unit forward. It's just not true. We're actually discriminating against, you know, we, we discriminate against ourselves and extroverts discriminate against us. And it's purely lack of education on what introversion is and, in fairness, we're just starting to learn that introverts and introverts can succeed, you know, because let's face it. I mean, the world of education is not really, I mean, you think about people like Earl Nightingale, right? That was, you know, I was actually talking to Jim Cathcart about this last time I saw him in California and he discovered Earl Nightingale's tapes when he was, when he was in his thirties, wasn't he 40 years ago? Now, Earl Nightingale talked about, you know, selling and speaking and the importance of having one of those explosive personalities. And the introverts just kind of let it get away from us. Before that, we were all living in farms. You know, we, we were kind of quiet people. And back then, honesty and authenticity was actually the most important thing. So introverts dominated. Well, guess what? No longer are there traveling salespeople that can get away with ripping people off and then going to the next town. We live in this digital world where I can find out whether this Matt Brown guy has customers that love him or customers that hate him anytime I want by just hopping on Google and typing in Matt Brown reviews and finding out a little bit about him, right? Nobody can hide by ripping people off anymore. Mm. And because of that, authenticity, both from introverts and extroverts, is actually, again, starting to run at a premium. And the skill sets that are required to be successful at in, as an introvert actually make you an amazing leader, an amazing speaker, an amazing networker. Now, again, that doesn't mean that extroverts can't do it too. I, I, my belief is that we just need to level the playing field. And extroverts, if they learn systems, they'll do amazingly well as well. The problem is that extroverts' biggest Achilles heel is their natural ability. And because of that, they tend to fly by the seat of their pants and not follow a system. That's why introverts dominate because we will hold on to it for dear life. Mm, sure, that's power. Uh, I love what you said there about how we discriminate against ourselves as introverts. What I'm, that's what I mean by that. And then extroverts kind of also now you know jump on the on the bandwagon there. Um, and in the context of sales, I think uh, sales, I think uh, confidence is a very big deal uh, for salespeople in general. It's like if you don't have the confidence or the belief that you can sell something, and there's so many other threads that go off this principle. 
you will never really sell it as well as you could. Um, and so as an introvert, if you are discriminating against yourself and extroverts are discriminating against us as well, it's quite easy for us to be the victim uh, in our own heads. And it's always, you know, it's so easy for us to latch on to this victim narrative about why we're not good enough, why we shouldn't speak up, why, you know, we're not like that guy who's the center of attention, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and I wanted to kind of get into this. If we're stuck on that train, right, and if someone listening to us or watching us right now is stuck on that train, how do we get off it? Like, is there a, a system or an approach that you've used in your life that, you know, you've seen other introverts um, and by extension, even introverts as well, execute to become the best versions of themselves? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I would say is, you know, there's a, there's a quote that I'm going to butcher, which is, you know, at every moment um, of every day, we get to decide who we are and what we believe in. We get a second chance every second. Now, the reason why I love that quote is because I was exactly like every introvert listening, believing that it wasn't possible for me. And I fell into, you know, sales and it changed my life. And I mean, remember, I said I was a re- I had a reading speed of a sixth grader in late high school, horrible acne. And I just I didn't know, you know, I, I, I really hustled for the last two years of high school and got in the top 20 percent of my state. But my family saw that I was exhausted and I just, I didn't know what it, where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. So we all agreed that I was going to take a year off to, to find myself. Now, I grew up in a poor neighborhood. So not poor by global standards, but by Australian standards, poor. And the for me, you know, I couldn't exactly tell my father who broke his back 80 hours a week. He wasn't the guy that was in the back, you know, out the front selling. I was the guy in the back office doing data entry with a look on my face saying, don't talk to me, I'm here to find myself. And the problem I had was three weeks in, my boss pulls me aside and he's like, Matt, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but, you know, we just got a phone call from our head office and they're closing down this, this, uh, this premise. Well, you're out of a job. So here I am three weeks into a job and now I'm being told that, you know, I'm out of, I'm out of work. And now I've got, to, you know, I mean, this is Australia. So, I mean, it's the same as South Africa, right? We take summer and Christmas break at the same time. No one's hiring. We go away on the 20th of December. We don't come back till the 15th or 20th of January. I mean, I've got to explain this to Americans because, you know, they're back to work pretty quickly because it's winter there, right? But there's no jobs that I could find. I mean, the best jobs that I, I found, and there were three jobs that were, were, were looking for people, they're all commission-only sales roles. Now, how terrifying for an introvert is that? Now, I had no choice. So I applied for all three and I got all three jobs. I mean, it turns out they hire everyone. You know, the, the, the company that, that I eventually worked for, which was selling door-to-door telecommunications business to business, literally the manager told me, you know, we just throw mud up against the wall and we see what sticks, which sounds like a fun saying until you're the mud, right? So here I am. I just started this job. I get five days product training and not a single second of sales training. And I get thrown on this road called Sydney Road in Melbourne, Australia over a thousand doors on each side and just get told to go sell. So I had this realization, no one's told me what to say. So I don't know what to do. Take a deep breath, walk in the first door. And I'm luckily enough, politely told to leave. Then I was less like politely told to leave. Then I was sworn at, but my personal favorite was always go get a real job. I mean, this was the only job I could get. So door after door, this kept happening. And I remember I got to the 93rd door and I made my first sale. I made about $70 and I was ecstatic for about 45 seconds. And then I had my next big realization for the day. I got to do this again tomorrow and the next day and the next. And it just, it wasn't okay. And I think a lot of introverts will do one of two things at this point. They'll either, you know, fight or flight. 
they'll either quit, which, you know, I mean, I was in a training group of 20 people and 17 quit before the next day. So it's not uncommon. A lot of business owners, though, because they're trying to run their dream, won't quit. When it comes to selling, they'll, they'll do the other. They'll fight through it. But they accept the hustle, the grind, the subpar performance is part of their life because they don't have that gift of gab. For me, I decided if I took that path, my year was going to suck. So I decided to make a different decision. I decided that sales had to be a system. And I went looking for what it would be. Now, back then, picking up a Brian Tracy or a Zig Ziglar book with my reading issues would have taken me a year to read it, let alone apply it. But we were just moving from dial-up to proper internet at that time, and YouTube was becoming really popular. And I typed in the sales system into YouTube, and all these videos came up. And I just, you know, I focused on every day I'd go out in the field for eight hours and I'd I'd go sell and then I'd go home and practice another element of the sales process for eight hours before bed. And then I'd do that for 16 hours on the weekends. Day after day, I got better and better at selling. I mean, soon it was, you know, 75 doors, then it was 48 doors, then it was 36, you know, 27, 18, 9. Eventually, I got it down to three doors on average before I'd make a sale. Now, that happened for a matter of weeks and, you know, it's about six weeks in, my manager pulls me aside and I thought I was in trouble because he had this weird look on his face. And remember, I was the quiet guy that handed my paperwork in downstairs and didn't really pay attention to anything upstairs. I mean, all these boisterous salespeople were talking about how hard the market was and I kept to myself. He said, Matt, we're kind of blown away by this, but we just got our national sales figures for the month and it turns out you're the number one salesperson in the company. Now, this was the largest sales and marketing company in the Southern Hemisphere at the time. So naturally, they gave me a team. And, you know, again, I was like, well, I don't know how to train a team. And he reminded me, mud up against the wall, just see what sticks. Well, everybody quit. I mean, everybody quit within the first 24 hours. So back to YouTube to learn to manage. And I learned the process. And I actually got pretty good at it, too. I mean, I got promoted seven times within the space of 12 months. Then I went and made the decision to start my own business. And I mean, if you fast forward, you know, just shy of a decade, I've been responsible for five multi-million dollar success stories. But more than all of that, I mean, I went from terrified to sell to teaching hundreds how to do it. Now through my books, The Introvert's Edge, you know, I get the opportunity to teach tens of thousands. So when you're like, okay, so what are the, how do we get past this? My suggestion is this. I mean, my publisher hates me when I say this. You don't need to buy my book. You can just go to theintrovertsedge.com, download the first chapter of my book, and I literally highlight how to overcome that mindset barrier you have towards sales. And then I outline the full seven-step process. And if you do nothing more than grab those seven steps, put what you currently say under those seven steps, you'll have two realizations. One is that there's a lot of things that you say out of order, so you'll be able to fix that. The second thing you realize is there's some things that don't fit into the greater process. Those are things you should never be saying to customers, so throw those out. Then you'll realize there's a couple of gaping holes, generally around asking the right questions and, more importantly, telling great stories. Now, most people think they tell great stories, but they they don't. They butcher them. They're horrible. And they, they, they're more logical, more like dot point lists or, you know, customer wanted this like and we gave it to them as opposed to an emotionally driven story that helps people be educated and inspired while seeing you as the only logical choice if you do nothing more than that you'll double your sales in the next 60 days and yeah as i said my next book focuses on doing the exact same thing for networking and you can download that the first chapter of that at the introvertsedge.com forward slash networking amazing stuff amazing stuff um i wanted to detour quickly into um into the skill sets that 
you feel is required these days? Because it's kind of like you have a knowledge gap usually when you want to try something new. Like in your case, when you were walking down that street, you had a knowledge gap. You had to, you know, you, it took you 93 houses to get to a point where you made a sale. And then you brought that down to three, <coughs> excuse me, um, because your knowledge gap went from like a one to a 10, one could make the case. But also simultaneously along with that, you were developing your skill set, right? You were figuring out to your point, you just made what not to say or, or how to say it or the structure of information or what's the right story and all that kind of stuff. And so you have to, you have to walk the, the path to get to the place where you need to be. And the development is really around a skill set and, and a knowledge gap that you have to kind of, you know, almost traverse in a way. It's like that saying I love, another quote I love, which is the last mile is always the least crowded, <laughs> um, and it's because also you, to your point, you have to have the grit. You mentioned that word right up in right up front, right? You have to have that grit to want to grow. It's like you know, it's like you want certain experiences in your life, but you have to grow in order to get those experiences. Um, and so, what have you learned about skill set development? What does that look like practically? How do you know? How to identify what gaps you have, and then once you know what those gaps are. What do you do to now develop yourself through skill sets to get to a place where you can become the next Matthew Pollard? Well, I think firstly, don't overcomplicate it, right? I think that's, you know, one of the things that people do is they read, you know, I see it all, all the time online. I'm, my goal is to read 100 books this year. Now, I can't read 100 books this year because I won't have time to apply everything. Right. So the goal for me is I want to read less books and actually put those books to work. You know, I get people reaching out to me all the time and they're like, you know, Matt, I'm, I'm reading your book along with, you know, three others. And I'm like, no, no, even if you throw away mine, throw away all three other books and pick one that you're going to run with. Now, the reason why I suggest that is these days people do one of two things. They either try and learn seven or eight things at once, which means they miserably fail at all of them. Or they try and learn one thing, but they try and learn one thing from three or four or five different people. And the problem with that is that, again, I mean, sales is not martial arts, right? You they pick one system and run with it. If you do more than that, you'll overcomplicate it. So, and I look, I will not be upset if you don't pick my system. I do not mind. I just care that you truly pick one single system. Because when you first start, you need to work out how to follow and have something go naturally step by step. You know, my rapid growth program, I talk about all the time that, you know, the reason why I spent so long creating it is because, you know, I wanted a natural A to Z for people to create rapid growth, right from, you know, passion and mission to, you know, creating their messaging, understanding their niche, developing their stories, their packaging, their pricing, understanding how to do all of that into networking, selling, and then everything they need to do online to automate the process of driving customers to chase them. And the reason why I do it that way, and I'm honest, I'm like, you will be able to find somebody that specializes in each one of those elements more than I do. The difference is I have this ability because I come from door-to-door sales and then I learned offline marketing and then I moved online, even though it terrified me and I didn't know how to change the word that to the word they on a website. When I moved to the US, I'm like, gosh, if I want to see my family, I'm going to have to you know, learn this online thing. Gosh, it's almost embarrassing now to say, but I, I used to think it was all kind of a little bit of a scam and the people that did online were just too scared to sell to people in the real world. It was what I told myself to make myself feel better. Then because of that, I was able to piece together a, a whole system because so many people end up, you know, following multiple journeys 
And they end up overwhelmed with multiple, often conflicting programs trying to work out how it all goes together. And it just becomes overwhelming. Anything that you learn is going to be the same. So what I would suggest is whoever you follow, whatever you decide, and even if it's not sales, if it's public speaking, if it's networking, if it's learning how to code in JavaScript, if people still code in JavaScript, what I would suggest is that you need to find one person, one system to follow. And you don't need to buy somebody's program. I mean, remember, I learned to sell by watching YouTube videos. You just have to find a system to follow. Now, then what you need to do is get good at following and perfecting those steps. So when you're talking about gap analysis, Mm. the first thing is, can I get, have I learned a process to get me from A to Z? Then focus on perfecting part C, part J, part X. But until until you can effectively get from part A to part Z, you cannot then start putting in all the bells and whistles. I mean, you know, in my next book, I talk about, you know, Henry Ford and, you know, the way when when he first bought out the Model T, you know, Ford, he had hundreds of thousands of orders within the first month. And, you know, at the rate that he was manufacturing cars, you know, he it would have been horrific. I mean, it would have taken him over 100 years to produce the cars, but he broke the manufacturer of a vehicle into 32 distinct parts and or stages, if you like. And he focused on getting it right so they could get a car off the production line correctly. And then once he got cars off the production line, he focused on making each element of the system better. So if I was to give advice to anyone learning anything, it would be first understand where you're at now and where those skills gaps are. For instance, your skills gap, if you're learning to sell, is not that you can't sell, it's that you don't have a system for selling that allows you to embrace your natural gifts. I mean, Mm. even if you're extroverted, that's true because you need a system that teaches you how to do things like actively listen and ask questions that are leading you to a sale, not just following little tangents because you're just loving the dialogue. If you're an introvert, you need a system that focuses on leveraging the power of story leveraging your ability to empathize and truly listen. So you need to figure out what is the system for you Mm. and then what do the parts of that system look like? And then don't put your, everyone loves setting these outrageous goals. Like I'm going to start making a hundred sales a day. Forget about that. Focus on getting through the sales process and getting it right. Because here's the thing. As soon as you learn a system, all of a sudden it stops. Like when somebody says no to you in a sale, how can that not be personal if you're winging it? But if you've got a system, or you don't think Henry Ford went, oh, that car didn't come out right. Oh, my gosh, it was never meant to build cars. Mm. What he did was he said, okay, what's wrong in the system? And sales networking can be exactly the same. Mm. So gravitate to whatever system that you feel allows you to be the best version of yourself that feels congruent with who you are as a person. Then focus on getting through part A to part Z complete don't worry about how great everything is but focus on getting a working widget off the line if you like once you do that then focus on bettering yourself in each one of those elements as the system describes and once you feel like you now have something that you can say okay i'm not bad at this not fantastic but i'm not bad at this then you can choose to go deeper into that person's discipline if they have advanced programs 
Or you can say, okay, so the one thing that I really would like to improve in my sales process is how to tell even better stories. So maybe you go to someone that specializes in stories, but they also specialize in stories that still delivered in a similar way to the way that your system operates. So Mm. you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm. You know, people see this in digital marketing all the time. It's like, you, the, the biggest goal is you need to get people to your website. When they're there, you don't want to sell to them. You want to get their email address. Then you want to get them to send them a series of emails so that they book a phone call and then you want to close them. And then eventually you want to automate closing them. But if you try and do all of that at once, it's all going to break. And then secondly, once you've got that working and you're getting things through the line, you can then start to optimize and you can work with specialists to optimize each one of those elements. And then once you've got it right, you can then use other silver bullets, new technology that's coming out to better every one of those elements. But first, gosh, start start basic. Don't set yourself a two-year goal to be the best salesperson on the planet. Set yourself a 30-day goal to absolutely dominate in, in in the system that you've chosen and really know what to say, when to say it. You know, when I tell people to go to networking events, I say the biggest advantage you have is everybody else will think that they're having organic conversations. But for you, it'll be like Groundhog Day. It'll be the thousandth time you're having the same conversation. And a good networker should know who they're going to speak to before they go, already have made contact with those people and already have planned the conversations they're going to have. For them, they have a natural advantage because preparation is another huge introvert gift. Jeez, hmm. so much to digest there. Awesome stuff, Matt. Um, I, uh, as a company, we've been doing a lot of thinking about systems. Um, and we started, to your point around technology, we started to automate a lot of things. Um, so as an example, we send... Uh, a, a week, I think it, no, a month. It's about five, th- between five and ten thousand LinkedIn connections. We grow a network, and I'm gonna. This is why I'm telling you, I'm gonna get into the network stuff with you in a sec. Uh, obviously, that's the the book that's coming out in January, so I want to get into that as also also. Uh, but um, but technology now can really help automate systems, and I think one of the great things um, that uh, technology affords one opportunity to do is to test right. Um, and to, as you said, it's about like looking at story, like we're a storytelling production company for tech. So we, we specialize in storytelling and we test like everything from messaging, different types of narratives to the color of banners and all this kind of stuff. And we, and we built technology that allows us to generate a system that is replicable. Cause I think to your point, Matt, without the system, you're not going to get repeatable results. Um, and you have to now, I think, I'm so excited about the fact that we are entrepreneurs today, right? Because it's like, it's it's insane what you can automate now, right? To get out the blocks. Like you were walking down the street all those years ago, <laughs> like 93 houses, you can do 9,300 like decision makers in four weeks. <laughs> so, you know, your ability to scale your value, right? It's just unparalleled. Um, do you have any go-to technology solutions or platforms that you feel guys can use or girls can use to scale their value and their systems? Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I will say is this comes with a warning. You know, uh, I interviewed Ryan Dice on my podcast, The Introvert's Edge, and I said, look, in this digital age, can we really just automate everything and never actually have contact with a customer? And he said, yeah, absolutely, eventually. 
right? And I believe that, you know, you've got to validate everything in the real world first, because if you automate terrible, all you've got is, you know, 10,000 terrible outcomes, right? So, and that may mean, I mean, you still may have a huge LinkedIn database, but if you don't know that prospects is not the real goal for networking, it's creating momentum partners and champions, then you've got a real problem. So you've got to understand everything in the real world first. Like Ryan Dice, when he launched his first pro- product, he said, I said from the top of my on, from stage at you know, traffic and conversion that I will be launching a new you know, consulting product. And if you have questions, come speak to me. He said, I had over 100 conversations in three days. He goes, it was the most horrible three days of my life. And this is a guy that hates going down off the stage. He can speak from stage, but he likes an external exit off the back because he's worried about being trampled. And he said, I stood there and had a hundred conversations. He said, by the end of that, I knew exactly what to say, exactly what worked, exactly what didn't, you know, what stories to tell and how to tell them. So the thing that I will tell you is, yes, automization is amazing. I mean, I used to have 20 telemarketers that didn't touch on how many leads I can generate now in an automated way. And from, I mean, you think about how much 20 telemarketers cost compared to a few bits of digital technology. So I can tell you that originally when I started, what I did is we created 230 pieces of content, you know, just images, quotes, things like that. And we used a a technology called Meet Edgar to share on social media to drive people to my website. Now, Meet Edgar doesn't do video, so we've upgraded since to a technology called CoSchedule. And that does amazingly well. Now, a lot of people will tell you that, you know, sharing on social media, you should do it in a manual way. But I'm an introvert. The last thing I wanted to be doing is taking a photo of my donut because I needed something to say on social media. And I wanted to create a social media asset. So when I do things like a launch around my book, I move back to organic. But like when I'm writing my book, the last thing I want to do is think about if I'm posting three times a day or checking up on my, you know, my management company to make sure that they're on message. Right. So for me, I always look at automating an asset that I can constantly turn on and I focus on evergreen content. Mm. And for that, I I use CoSchedule. Now, I use CoSchedule to get content out on social media. I then, you know, my my driver is to get them to the website. I love Thrive Themes because they offer a, you know, a yes or no button, uh, which is a cool way of changing the way people just automatically go click. No, I'm not giving you my email address. Um, and then I use active campaign in the back end for all of my automation. And if you are not, and I can't believe people still aren't doing this. If you do not have a technology like a once hub, a Calendarly or something like that in the back end, that's automating the allowance for people to book phone calls with you, you are like giving yourself so much more administration. And before you think, oh, I'm going to automate the whole process online, sell it through a, a live call first, because until you've done a hundred sales calls, for leads that have come from cold traffic online through advertising or social media. You have no idea what to write on that sales page. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Don't believe your own or drink your own Kool-Aid, as they say, right? (laughs) Question your own assumptions all the time. Very briefly, um, Matt, then we're going to wrap up a couple more questions. One thing, uh, quotes to set this one up is, your network is your net worth. Um, and uh, your book is now basically focusing on this idea of introverts and networks. Can you give us the elevator pitch for this book, um, and where would you like people to go to start getting familiar with what you have to say in the space? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I will tell you is most people think networking is about prospect generation. Now, networking is actually a lot more. For instance, you look at you and I having this conversation. If I was networking with you as a prospect, there's a chance that I might be able to turn you into a client. However, by talking through you to your audience, 
there's a lot more opportunity for for growth than just one one customer, mm. right? So a lot of people in this digital world don't understand the value of two other types of relationships. The first one is what I call the momentum partner relationship, which is you know um, John David Mann who introduced me to you. You know, he's a personal friend of mine, but I would consider him a momentum partner. He's somebody that constantly refers me to people because he believes in what I do. And I for him. And we don't ask for anything. We don't sit there with our balance sheet going, well, I gave you this lead. What have you given me this week? Mm. We just naturally want to help each other. Then you've got other people like Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI, you know, Brian Smith, the founder of Ugboots. They're my champions. I met them at networking, through networking, but these people give credibility to my work because they've got lifetimes of experience. And they say, check out this guy, Matthew Pollard. He's pretty cool. He's got some great stuff out. You can't buy those relationships, but those are the ones that generate you many, many more prospects. So the first thing I help you understand is that firstly, obviously network networking is actually something that introverts are better at and there's a huge amount of statistics around why the thing we suck at is that initial dialogue and that initial conversation but then most introverts don't realize that 90 percent of networking happens before you go into the room what i like people to do is imagine networking where they're walking into a room knowing exactly who they're speaking to exactly what they're going to say so the outcome is almost a pre-mapped out situation and, and generally then you'll get a better result the reason why people walk out of networking rooms saying networking doesn't work is they don't know who they're going to walk up to speak to. It's always the wrong person, somebody selling insurance or timeshare. And then they ask what, you know, when somebody asks you what you do, you say, oh, I'm a business coach, you know, and then they're like, oh, I had business coaching before. Didn't really work. Well, that's awkward. What do you do? Well, I sell insurance. Oh, no, I don't need insurance. I'm fine. Well, that's awkward. Okay, well, let's now run away from each other. Go to the bathroom, the bar, whatever we need to do. That's what networking looks like when you do it aimlessly. What I introduce is strategic networking throughout the, you know, the introvert's edge to networking and show you how to do it in a way. I mean, I moved to the US in 2014, didn't know a soul. In less than 12 months, I was invited to events as one of the most connected people in the city. And now my, my global network is huge thanks to the power of digital networking and face-to-face networking. The goal of this book is to help introverts realize how important networking is and how important it is to go in with the strategy so you're not that transactional network. Do you want to buy from me? No. Do you want to buy from me? Which introverts will not do, Mm, right? So because of that, I show them a strategy that works in the networking room. And then I show you that the last thing you want to do is be stuck in a networking room. So the whole goal of learning this strategy is that when you bring that online, it works amazingly well. So the whole goal of this book is to master the room so you never have to go back to one unless you absolutely want to. Because let's face it, if you take two and a half minutes to try and explain to somebody what you do in the networking room, good luck online when you get you know fractions of a second to show people your value. Yeah, amazing stuff. Matt, uh, aren't you giving away the first chapter? Yeah, correct. I mean, you can get that at theintrovertsedge.com forward slash networking. And there's a whole bunch of pre-order bonuses as well. So if you do happen to to buy it, you know, go to that link and download the first chapter anyway and respond to that with your pre-order receipt. Uh-huh. And that way, you know, I'll make sure you get all the pre-order bonuses as soon as they're ready. Uh, probably about, you know, another three or four weeks until we finish those. But we've got some great stuff planned. Cool. I've got a question from social media, Matt, uh, from Kaklitsu. She says, how do you manage your work, hobbies, talents and personal duties? making sure you stay in the level of performance excellence in each area. 
Well, so firstly, you've got to realize that you don't have to do everything. I mean, I you'll see, I mean, this is this is the cover of my first book. And at the bottom, you'll notice it says with Derek Lewis. That's because Derek Lewis ghostwrote it for me. Now, that doesn't mean that I didn't have any part in it. You know, Derek would write 5,000 words. I'd write about 3,500 words of notes on each chapter. He would then fix it and send it back to me. And, you know, then I would write, you know, 1,500 words of notes. And then I would rewrite some certain things. But instead of it taking me a year to write, it took me roughly a couple of months worth of my time. What a time save, right? I could spend more time focusing on marketing. I have a lot of people I'll send recordings to and they'll write articles for me. And then I will make sure that it has my spin on it. With social media, I have a video editor that picks the segments, but I always cite them to make sure I'm comfortable with them before they go out to the world. So there are things that I will still want to touch on everything that I do, but I'm very, very focused on making sure that I don't do everything. And I think that's the important thing. I'm a big fan of time blocking, mm. right? For instance, you and I are doing an interview. Right after this, I have another one, then I have another one, then I have another one. Why? Because it wipes me out. So at the end, of, you know, I'm, there's no way I'm going to be doing anything creative at the end of these interviews. So yeah. why not do them back to back? Because I'm going to be exhausted after one or five. So let's do five. So the focal point for me is I time block things. You know, at four, uh, 4.45 today, my wife and I are getting in the car and we are going out for beers and, and dinner because as of tomorrow, we're in lockdown because we're off to see her mum in Florida and we don't want to, we need to drive there because we don't want to get on planes with all the COVID things going on. So this is our last effective day that we're allowed to be outside before we're putting ourselves in self-imposed lockdown. So having schedules, planning things is important. You know, I say going to a networking room unplanned, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're going to fail, right? I treat life that way. You know, I plan everything. I, you know, my book launch, I, I have... I knew what I was doing for this book launch well before it. There were no surprises. My new book, everything is preset, everything is planned. And I know I'm launching the workbook for this book in, in April. By having things planned and not trying to do everything yourself, and I understand that comes with a budget, which is why you need to learn to sell first. Because if you're getting 10 leads and you're only closing two of them, how are you ever going to pay for help? Mm. So you need to make sure that every 10 leads you get, you do what I do, close more than nine of them. And by closing all of them almost, right? My closure rate's like over 90%. And the reason for that is because if it wasn't, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be able to spend all the money I spend on growing my business to help as many people as possible. Mm. I mean, I, you know, people say wars cost money. Missions do too. And I'm on a mission to help introverted small businesses realize that they can have a business that they love. And without, you know, making money to support that mission, you know, 10 or 12 people in the world would hear about it rather than the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands that hear about it because I know how to close deals. Sure. Power. Matt, let's wrap this up. Why do you do what you do? Like what gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, one of the things that, you know, I say to people all the time is there is, I can look, I can create rapid growth out of anything, but there is nothing worse than a rapid growth business with customers you can't stand in a business you don't like. And I have been that person. Like I won a pretty significant award in Australia in 2007. I won the Young Achiever Award in Melbourne. And I remember going home and I was anything but happy. I was miserable because if that's what success looked like, I mean, I had a 270 degree view at Eureka Tower, amazing complex, you know, car, multiple cars downstairs, all the best of everything, right? And I was sad because, you know, I was just not enjoying the business that I was running. Mm. So for me, the reason I do what I do is, God, I do it for free. I'm just ecstatic to get paid really well to do it. Um, and, you know, every day I get up and I get to do my favorite thing. You know, I work with people on only short-term engagements 
And because that's the part I love, getting the message right, getting the sales system right. And at that point, they don't really need me anymore. And I don't want to, you know, I don't feel like I need to keep charging them to hold their hand through the process. So every day I get to play with my favorite toy, somebody's business that's been in a hamster wheel for 10 years or just getting started, show them how to get rapid growth, help them get that momentum. And at that point, they really have to get in their own way when it comes to growth. And at that point that, you know, I love seeing them move on because I'm no longer the best coach for them. I move on to helping someone else. And I get to do that every day so you know why i do what i do is i mean look a lot of times i get pulled in by corporate and i'll say from stage i don't enjoy working from corporate i just happen to be really good at teaching people sales systems and story and bringing together marketing and sales which is why you know people bring me in but i'll say from stage you know this is not what i'm born to do small business is what i'm born to do and the reason for that is i mean if you can get somebody that struggles to make twenty thousand to make a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year and you get them to do that in such a short period of time, you've changed their life. There's nothing better than that. So that's why I love doing what I do. Matt Pollard, what a fantastic mission, dude. Great to have you on the show, man. And uh, to get your story told to my audience, I think it's very compelling. So wishing you all the very best in the future, mate. And uh, yeah, let me know when that book's available. I'm very keen to get my hands on it. Terrific, mate. Thank you very much. Matt Pollard, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Matt Brown Show, guys. Don't forget, you can catch me on all social media platforms for the latest updates, news, and a show history. So if you've been catching this on the podcast, please head on over to our YouTube channel and pound that subscribe button. It would be great to catch the video version there. And if you want a free copy of my number one Amazon best-selling book, you're in a game for free right now today. You can grab that on mathbrownshow.com forward slash ebook. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an x.com.